thank you so much for this day. I thank you for every person, from the babies that are in this sanctuary, Lord, to uh, every adult who's here. Uh, Lord, we are the body of Christ. I was sharing this, Lord, this last week. You can be a Christian uh, without coming to church, and uh, you can be a disciple without coming to church, but you can't be the church without coming to church. We are the body of Christ, and the only way that we can be that is when we gather together. And so there is something so special, so sweet, Lord, when your people come together. Uh, as Tori was praying, that there, as two or three are gathered here in your name, in this place, Lord, you're here amongst us. And so we pray for those that are beside us, those that are in front of us, behind us. Lord, I look out and I see some that are dealing with uh, illnesses today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd bring healing to them, that, Lord, they would, just, they would sense a touch from heaven today in their physical body. Lord, you, you're a miracle-working God. As Tori said, you're, you're a God of love from eternity past, Lord, to eternity present, to eternity future. There is no beginning, no end to your love. There's no limit to what you can do. What's impossible with man is possible with God. Some today are here with struggling through just relationships, and God, I pray for healing in those today. God, I pray for comfort, those that, uh, Lord, have lost loved ones. Uh, Lord, I know that our hearts hurt. God, even though with, we have the hope of heaven, God, when we lose people that we love this side of heaven, there, there's a, a tear in our heart, a, a, an emptiness that we feel. And Lord, thank you that you sent the comforter to be with us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, you're here today for those. And then, Lord, there's those that are here today. Man, they're on top of the world. Everything's going great. And Lord, may you just multiply their joy today as they can share that with one another. We, we rejoice with them that rejoice. We sorrow with them that sorrow. Uh, but as Tori mentioned, God, we're here to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, Lord, because we know that every good gift comes from you. Lord, there's nothing from our own hand. Everything that we have, Lord, belongs to you. And so that concludes us. And so as an act of worship, we open our hearts to you. We invite you to speak now through your word. Minister to us, Lord. Knit us together in your love. That's our hope and our prayer for today as we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we all agreed saying amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I, I titled this Parenting, It's All About Relationships, because I always enjoy when we have, you know, kids and babies alike in here. Um, you know, I know the struggle, you know, uh, as a young parent, I know uh, just even getting up and getting to church, and especially if you work in a church. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's a struggle. Life is a struggle. It's becoming more and more difficult with each passing year. Uh, you know, I've learned a lot about, you know, being a parent from just simply being a parent. I, I've shared with you many times. I could write books on parenting, on all the things I did wrong. Uh, I don't know if it's sell, but uh, at least, you know, my dad used to tell me, hey, Mike, you know, you don't have to make every mistake. You can learn from some of mine. You know, how many, how many of your parents told you that, by the way, just as a show of hands? Yeah, I'm not alone in that. You know, that you have good parents. They go, hey, there, there's a transparency and a vulnerability in that, that we're not perfect. We haven't done everything right. And to be able to share that even with our kids, it, it really develops a trust amongst them. You know, but I, I was a youth pastor for many years. And, and before I was a youth pastor, I was a singles pastor. And then after being a youth pastor, I became the associate pastor before becoming the senior pastor. So I've, I've counseled with hundreds and hundreds of people people, parents in particular, and, and, and listen to pretty much every story. They, matter of fact, I tell people now when they go, Pastor Mike, I, I'm so embarrassed or ashamed to tell you what I'm about to tell you. I tell them, you couldn't tell me something new? And, and you know what? I've said that for years, and I got to admit this. Last week, somebody told me something that, that I'd never heard before, and I, just, and I sat there, and I went, wow. I go, you know what? I go, I, I, I tell everybody, 
I, I've heard everything. I go, I got to invest. I've never heard that before. It wasn't bad, but it was just one of those things where you go, I'm just sitting there and they go, have you heard that? And I go, to be honest with you, no, <laughs> I didn't. I go, I'm going to have to write that down, you know, but uh, no, for the most part, you know, I mean, the, the Bible is really clear. We, all of us share the same experiences from one degree to another. That, that's why, you know, we don't need to, we don't need to be hypocrites. You know, we don't need to hide behind something that, you know, that we're not. We're sinners saved by grace. Amen. And that's so, it's so freeing, you know, that you can go, man, God loves you. And, and he doesn't love you any more on your best day. And he doesn't love you any less on your worst day. And that's good to know. Amen. And, and we need to remind one another because we can become so judgmental, you know, and, and, and even as believers, you know, and we, you know, we can be so selfish and so self-centered. If there's anything that breaks you of your self-centeredness, it's becoming apparent. <laughs> Amen. You know, I, I was thinking of all these things, you know, today, you know, thinking about parenting and thinking of my mom and dad who've both, you know, gone to be with the Lord and, and uh, uh, just things that just crack you up, you know. Do you ever think of this as a parent that your kids have selective hearing? Have you ever found that to be true You're, as a parent? You call their name and they just, they never come. But it's, it's amazing. I want to I just throw this out. You know, this, this has nothing to do with the message tonight, today, but, but it just came to me this morning. So I was thinking about this. I, just, I guess by a show of hands, how many, how many of your parents here, by the way, today? Maybe I'll just do something else. Okay, so there's a lot of parents. Okay, how many, how many would say that your kids have selective hearing? Okay, you're a parent. And that's not a negative thing. They just have selective hearing. I would say your husband has. No, don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this works. It works for husbands and for kids. When you can't get your, your kids to listen, you know, when you're calling them, all you have to do is open up a bag of chips or cookies. It's amazing. It just draws them out. You open up cookies or a, a bag of chips, all of a sudden just pop that bag. And sure enough, I mean, you could have been calling them for an hour and they won't come. Man, I'm telling you what, that bag of chips opens up and all of a sudden they are out there, you know, in no time at all. I don't know, even know what the mystery is behind that, but uh, just thought I'd share that with you. Go home and get a bag of chips. Just keep it there. Save your voice. Save your voice. Don't yell. Be angry, but don't sin. Open up a bag of chips. Yeah. No, but you know, God's word gives us so much insight into parenting and into being children. How many, how many kids do we have here today? You're, you're, you're not married out of the house. You're still living at home. You would, what we, we'd consider you're a youth or you're a child that's here today of your parents. How many in service today? Raise your hand. Good. We got a lot of you. So this is going to start with you today. This is because this is where the Bible starts with you. And I wanted to read this to you. And Again, it's important that you get this, you know, because it always starts with kids. You would think it isn't, you know, I love when, you know, Greg Laurie, he wrote a book about this, the world flipped upside down. The, the, the church is the world flipped upside down. So everything that you see the world doing, it's like the church is the opposite of that. And it was a great book written years ago. And he, he, so you look at this and he's going, you'd think that in parenting, you'd start with the parents because in order to have kids, well, that's a whole other study. You would then you have parents and then you have children, but he starts with children. And we find this in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have a Bible handy, you can turn there with me. Uh, we'll jump from this particular text. In Ephesians chapter 6, most of us are familiar with it. Look what it starts with. It says, children, obey your parents. I mean, this doesn't need, I don't have to spend 30 minutes breaking this down, okay? How many understand the word obey? What is obey? Obey. I, you, we understand that word. 
Obey your parents in the Lord. It says, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. With promise is what he's saying. That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, what I need to help you understand is that doesn't mean that your parents will take you out. That's not what it's saying here. It's worse than that. It's God will take you out. Because what he's saying is, you know, that when you live in, in stress, how many understand this by a show of hands? Stress kills. Okay. And so that's what he's saying as a young person. You know, if you don't honor your mother and father, if you're not obedient to them, you're creating an undue stress in your life. It's not your parents that are going to kill you. It's you're going to kill yourself by not being obedient and not honoring them. Does that make sense? So easy to move on, you know, from there. Yeah. So now on to parents. So there it is for the kids. That's what you got. No, my kids, they're, they're grown and they're gone. They're, they're on their own. I have grandkids now. You know what grandkids are? Grandkids are God's second chance. Amen? <laughs> Amen. You can love them, spoil them, and send them home. You don't have to deal with the consequences, you know? Oh, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a, no, but it really is a second chance to do things right. That if I could, you know, as a parent, and there's many things, you know, people talk about, oh, there's no such thing. You don't have to live with regret. No, I have all kinds of regrets. I'll die with all kinds of regrets. Thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God for forgiveness. But yeah, if I could go back and, and reset the dial, I would do things so much differently in my life, so much differently, but I can't, but I do have grandkids and I have an opportunity and, and I want to make the most of that. And so if you're here as a parent or a grandparent, or even if you go, man, I didn't have any kids. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. We've got a nursery. We've got a children's ministry. You can actually get it right. You can actually invest your life into the life of, of a child here in our church. And people do. And I'll tell you what, some of the great, most gracious, most loving, most influential people are parents and grandparents who don't have any children underneath their roof, but that are very much in tune with the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, and how God has worked in their life. And to be able to, and those kids pick it up right away. They know when they're being loved. They go, man, I just wasn't there for my kids, but guess what? But I'm going to be here for you and to be able to communicate that and do it effectively. And so, you know, and I, I think about, you know, the ministry, you know, and people coming in for counseling. It, it really is all about relationships. And I want you to, you know, if you write anything down today, you know, that it's all about relationships when it comes to parenting. It's all about relationships. And I know this factually. I know this by experience because when I think about you know, I've shared with you when people are, are dying and one of the privileges I have as a pastor is to go to the hospital, visit with people. And, and I've never had anybody complain, you know, that said, man, I wish I could have put more time in at work, you know, or I wish I could have bought more stuff and wish I could have went here and, and done this and traveled and done this. No, it always has to do something with a relationship. You go, man, if I wish I had more time, you know, with my wife or with my husband or with my kids or my grandkids or my friends or whatever that thing, you know, might be. And sometimes we don't, we don't realize how good we had it until we don't have it any longer. You know, it's even this week, you know, thinking of, you know, when someone loses a loved one or there's a loss and, and it, it makes you sit back and you think unexpectedly, you know, things happen. You know, we don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. And all of a sudden somebody close to you is taken from you and it just, it just shakes you to the core and goes, hey, you know what? That's right. It doesn't just go, you know, I'm born into this world and life progresses and I get old and we die. It's like, no, sometimes babies die. Sometimes young children die. Sometimes youth die. Sometimes someone in their middle ages, you know. It's not just the elderly. 
And so, so we sit back and we go, you know what, I need to tell people I, I love you, you know. And I forget that often. You know, I, I wish, and as a regret I'll have as a pastor, I wish, you know, every single service that I did, you know, that I ended up telling you that I love you because I do love you. I, I, pray for, I pray for you as our church family, my wife and I. But I don't tell you that. I don't tell a lot of people that I love them that I love. And, and that frustrates me about myself. You go, I can think about it or I just forget about it because, you know, you just get busy. And you go, ah. Or, you know, you go, oh, they hear it all the time and it just loses its, you know, sediment after a while. And you go, no, it doesn't. And I'd rather, you know, when you were gone that they go, hey, you know what? What I remember is they always told me they loved me before. That was the last thing that they said. We're all going to create a legacy. We're all going to have memories that we leave with people. You get to choose those for the most part, you know, as a parent. I've never had, I've never had a kid come to me, you know, that was having problems and said, Pastor Mike, my whole life is messed up because I didn't get a hamster when I was in the third grade. And I just, I just can't function, you know. Or they go, you know, my dad made me drive his, his 1967 Porsche to school. You know, all the other kids got new cars. I had to drive a used car, you know. It's like, no, they don't ever complain about stuff like that. You know, it'll be like, man, I don't even know my dad. Uh, my dad's never home. My dad doesn't say three words to me. Uh, my mom's an alcoholic. My mom's a drug abuser, you know. All my mom does is berate me with her words, you know. Those things have a lasting, you know, impression. Those things make a difference in people's life. And, and I guess, you know, the point, you know, that I want to make this morning is we really take a look at this in Scripture. You know, unfortunately, I've been watching this in the news. You know, we live in a culture that's very experience-rich but relationship-poor. You know, I'm, I'm reading this more and more that many, you know, of our millennials and stuff are, you know, they're choosing experience over relationship, that it's really living is about experiences. And you go, and it's so sad that if we buy into that, and you go, I've, I've always said the joke, you know, that, and I shared it last week, you know, that uh, you'll never see a hearse, you know, pulling a U-Haul, you know, and people go, oh, yes, they do. And I go, I get that. I've seen it on Pinterest too. So, you know, but, but you understand the point. You can't take stuff with you. There are three things that only last forever. God, the word of God, and the souls of men. Relationships are what it's all about. Investing our life into relationships and making sure that we, we teach that to our children. That what it comes down to more than anything else, it's relationships. You remember, this was in the news as of late, you know, the college admissions bribery scandal, right? So here was parents that were paying, you know, over a half a million dollars to get their kids into a prestigious university. You know, it was a scam. You know, they'd have pictures of their kids. You know, one was a kid that had a, his face on a water polo athlete to get a scholarship. And then all of a sudden, the, you know, the parents are going to jail for this. And you're thinking, you go, what was the point? And I was really interested to listen to this. And they said, because it was just, well, they got into college. I mean, they just wanted something better for their kids. And they go, well, but, you know, uh, but it took somebody who earned the right, and you go, yeah, okay, so somebody got displaced. And so the, it became really severe, because, especially with sports, because sports isn't just like general admission that you went, hey, they just got him into the school. No, when you got him a scholarship for a sport, that took a specific position away from a specific child who had put forth the effort, the energy to earn that. And you go, okay, so I see that. But see, what we're having is, you know, again, it's this it's not understanding relationships. 
It's about the experience. And so these things are becoming more and more apparent, you know, in our society. I mean, most of us, you know, how many have seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you know? I mean, yeah, most of us have, you know, remember, you know, Veronica, you know, daddy, you know, I want, you know, I want that, and I want it now. And he's like, Veronica, Veronica, you know, he's got a whole factory, you know, trying to find that golden ticket and parents, you know, and again, this isn't the, the bad side in the sense that we love our kids, but see what's happening. And I'm hearing this more and more, especially in doing premarital counseling, you know, with people, and I'm listening to the things that are being shared and the ideas and the ideals and the goals and the dreams and the hopes and stuff, you know, for, for young kids is that all of a sudden it's, it's looking at it and going, man, you know, uh, we, we, we want this experience, you know, we, we, were, we want this and their, their, their future isn't not sitting there and going, you know, what I really want to do is, as what the beauty of what marriage is, is becoming one with another human being that God took a biological man and a biological woman and he brought them together in a relationship and he said, and he made them one. And the two, it's a mystery, became one. It's about relationships more than anything else. And in the beauty of that relationship, actually more life came forth. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And that more relationships that stem from the beauty of that relationship because they were conceived in love. They were a byproduct of a loving relationship. But again, living in a world that's going, you know what, we're seeing it, you know, with the, the rate of abortions, not just in the United States, but around the world, because they're hindering the experiences that people are wanting to have. See, and it's so subtle, these things that are happening. It's kind of like the frog in the kettle, right? You know, the scientific study that if you put a frog in a kettle and you turn it up one degree at a time and you let the frog get acclimated to the water, you can turn it up another degree and acclimate the frog to the temperature. You can do that to the boiling point. You can actually kill the frog without the frog jumping out of the kettle. Well, that's what's happening, guys, gals, in this world. The enemy is subtle. He's turning us away from relationships and he's turning us towards experiences and it's about stuff and it's about an accumulation of things versus people. And when that becomes a thing, it's so subtle and it's so dangerous. And yet when he succeeds, it's too late. And we see that because of, look at the divorce rate as it is in the world today. And it's an attack, you know, there's an attack on, on family You know, behavioral scientists put it like this. They tell us that the most important ability, think about this, that's needed, you know, in our middle ages, between the ages of 30 and 50, is our ability to develop rich and meaningful relationships. See, it kind of adds that saying, you know, to the old saying, it's not what you know, but what? But who you know, yeah. As a matter of fact, with regards to heaven, it's not what you know, but what? Who you know, yeah. So, so important. So I think most of us would agree with this, you know, uh, and I love this. I was reading a book here last week that dealt with this, that the sum total of our lives, you know, we talk about this, our, not our paradigm, how we see life, but the, the sum total of our lives is nothing more than the knowledge that we have, the experiences that we've shared, and the relationships that we enjoy. That is, that is the sum total of life, knowledge, experiences, and relationships. But here's the interesting thing. What's so fascinating about this, knowledge is greatly impacted by what? By who you know, by, by the relationships that you have, who you learn from, who you hang around with, who, you know, you show me your five best friends, you know, and I, and I can pretty much determine where your life is headed. 
You know, just by knowing the relationships, the five key relationships in your life. Man, it's, it's so important. So as parents, these things, you know, again, we can't take lightly here, relationships and how important they are, how it impacts everything. And then you think with regard to our experiences, our experiences in life. I mean, I know this from counseling. And when people come in, they tell me about their highs or their lows of life. Guess what those are tied to? Those experiences are tied to a person. If they're in pain, it's usually because of a relationship. If they're enjoying life, it's because of a relationship. So knowledge and experiences are impacted by what? Relationships. It's the key thing to life. And yet, like I said, we can miss it. And I, and I hope that you don't. You know, so then as parents, I want you to think about this. Even, you know, if you're a student here today, you're a child, because it began with us, being obedient to our parent. It's in your relationship, every single one of us here today that's in this sanctuary, here's the call of God, is to be intentional. Intentional. As a youth, you be intentional in your relationship to honor God by honoring your mother and father. As a parent, being intentional with your children. They're not going to be raised by osmosis, Okay. Uh, they can't be raised by the television set or YouTube or, you know, whatever else that there is. You know, I, I've said this since I was a youth pastor and talking to kids and seeing their heartbreak. Children spell love T-I-M-E. They always have and they always will. T-I-M-E. And so you think about, it, you know, the quality of our life, I can't stress this enough, are the result of what? Our experiences, our choices, and our relationships. I mean, you think about that. You know, if what your children, you're raising your kids, you know, to be in this world, they're going to be nothing more than what? The sum total of what? You know, you, you look at that. Their experiences, their choices, and their relationships. That's what their life is going to be. That's what my life is today. That's what your life is. And that's why it's so important that, you know, again, we think about it, being intentional with regard to uh, our children's relationships as a parent. So I want you to think about this with me. The three most important relationships then. Let me just ask this question so I don't, I'm not off the mark. How many would say that by a show of hands that you believe relationships are the most important thing in this life by a, raise, a show of your hands? You, you believe, how many believe it's money? Some of you went, ah, okay, no, I wasn't supposed to do that. You know, your relationship to your money. You know, yes. No, it's, it's all about relationships. First, their relationship to you. I want you to think about this, you know, with me. The importance, their relationship to you, their relationship to their creator, and their relationship to the people that are around. But it really is all about relationships. You know, God has placed us as parents. I want you to think about this. We are in our, our child's life for really one reason and one reason only. That's to influence them. It's to love them and to care for them, but it's to influence them towards God and for God. Proverbs 22.6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. It's about a relationship. Again, now I want you to think about this. Your child's relationship, you know, his relationship, you know, with you as a parent. You know, go back to Ephesians chapter 6. You can see this. And it says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training, the admonition of the Lord. It starts with a negative. It starts with a do not. And what that's saying there is parents, again, because this is all about relationships. He's saying, dads, do not discourage your children. Are you a dad? You know, I, I watch dads and it's like they pick on their kids at times. You know, I mean, I, I grew up playing sports and 
I was very fortunate that, you know, my dad was an only child, so I think my dad was a little bit more sensitive to those things because he knew the, the feeling of, of isolation and being alone. He was very family-oriented, yeah, even being an only child. That's what's really kind of funny about the whole thing. But, uh, but he never discouraged me. He got on my rear all the time about stuff, but he, but not to discourage me. I mean, I never, and my dad would ask me, he said, Mike, Mike, do you, do you ever question, you know, my love for you? I go, no, dad, I really, I'd never, I've never, I never questioned, never even dawned on me that my dad didn't love me. I always knew that my dad loved me. Even when he spanked me. Even when I was going, man, I hate him, you know. I, it was me, but I knew he loved me. I knew he was doing it because I deserved it and I needed it. And I knew that he did it in love. And I remember, you know, my dad, you know, he got more emotional as he got older. But I remember even as a, as a young kid, I remember my dad, because it's that old saying. How, how many of you heard their parents say to you, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you? And you're going, liar! <laughs> you go, but my dad sat on the edge of the bed one time, you know, one of the few spankings I got, no, um, and he, he said to me, he goes, Michael, he goes, and he, and he had tears in his eyes. They weren't rolling down his face, but his eyes, they, they watered up with tears. And he said, this, is, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I remember thinking, you know, you know my dad's not very smart because this hurts me a lot. He doesn't realize, you know, how hard he's hitting me with that paddle on, you know, and he would tell me and explain it. Now, I'm not going to hurt you. It's on the fatty part of your, you know, your leg. You know, he's explaining all the science behind it. It still hurts, dad, but he's going, but, but I want you to know, but it's going to hurt me more because I don't, I don't enjoy this, but I know that you need it. I want to influence your life. I want to influence it for good. And that's what, you know, God wants to do in the life of our children. And so he says, dads, don't discourage your children. And you know what? And if you're a dad, I want you to think about this. And I know this from failure and I know it from success. The number one way to discourage your kids is to burden them with expectations. Put expectations on them. Because isn't that what Jesus, isn't that what he came against the Pharisees for doing? What did he tell the Pharisees? They were legalistic. He said, you're putting burdens on the people that you yourself can't even bear. See, and, I, and I've seen it because I've known it firsthand. I've watched it. That many, and I, I, don't, I can't say all, but many parents seek to live secretly, vicariously through their kids. And it's so sad when it happens. It's a burden and an expectation that your kids can't live up to. Proverbs 22, 6, again, when you think about this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. So the goal of parenting, I want you to think about this, and if you're a note taker, you know, you might write this down. The key of parenting isn't to mold your children. It's to unfold your children. They have a gift from God. They were fashioned by God. He made them. And he has a plan and he has a purpose for their life that you don't even know of. And the only way you're going to know it is through relationship. As you, as a parent yourself, tap into God and seek him on behalf of your kids. Then and only then will you start to discover. But see, to go, oh, I, I figured out their talents because they have fun with it. You know, no, no. 
not just because it's fun or even that they take joy in it, because what does the Bible say? For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Oh, your kids could be happy all the way to hell. What do we say? The road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions, yeah. But they go, but they're happy. And we, we make that so much about, you know, culture today. It's about the experience. Well, they're happy. And as long as they're happy, then I'm happy. No, it's about the glory of God. Should be the most important thing in the heart and the life and the mind of a Christian parent for their children. And there's no compromise. We, there'd be nothing in our life that would ever back down from that. What Paul is saying here is to the parents, to these fathers, and again, he's not talking to the mothers and people will say, well, yes, it includes mothers. And yes, in a general sense it does. But in Paul's day, in that culture, it was fathers who had the direct influence over the education of their children. It wasn't the mother who did that. It was the father. So it's not downplaying the role of mothers. And it's not saying, well, God had to say that to men because women automatically love their kids and, you know, dads don't. And you know, there's all kinds of, you know, no, it's, there was a cultural reason for that. Deuteronomy 6 might help us in that. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. This right before they're going into the land uh, of uh, milk and honey. He says, that you may fear, they're going to cross the Jordan, enter into what we know as Israel. It says, may fear the Lord your God to keep all the statutes and his commandments which I command you. You and your son and your grandson all the days of your life that your days may be prolonged, okay? Yeah, we have a responsibility to teach, to influence. That's a key word. You might write that down. You know, dad, your job, my job is to influence. I can tell you this, you know, and if there's one word that, that changed my marriage, I can tell you this, my marriage. I, I shared with you that, you know, one day my wife came home from work a number of years ago when we lived in our older house and she walked in from our garage and she made eye contact with me. She looked at me and I looked at her and she walked past me and she went into our bedroom and she probably changed her clothes or something. Then I looked out and she was outside watering her plants. And I was sitting there on the sofa and I was so mad. And I go, she didn't even say hi to me when she came in. So I walk outside and I look at her and I go, Lee, I go, what, was there something up? And she goes, what? And I said, you didn't even say hi when you came in. She goes, you didn't say anything to me. And I said, well, I didn't say anything to you because I was there sitting on the sofa. You came in. And so it's like the rule of thumb, isn't it? Like, you know, the person who walks into the house is supposed to say hi to the person who's already in the house, right? I mean, isn't that like the unwritten rule? I mean, she's like looking at me like, you know, what kind of dumb is that? Like, what, what book were you reading? You know, what chauvinistic pig, you know, periodical did you get in the mail? You know, and I'm like, and so I'm sitting there and I go, well, you know, but I was sitting there and you came in. She goes, well, I walked in and you were sitting there. And it was like, it dawned on me the first time in my entire life. I was thinking, yeah, who's supposed to say hi first? You know, and it was like, no kidding. I mean, the Holy Spirit's like, Mike, you're the initiator. That's when you know it's God. He, didn't, he doesn't give you like, you know, okay, Lord, lay out the whole story. You know, he's like, you are the, it's like feel the dreams. Build it and they will come. You know, I go, I love that. You know, okay, I, I get it. Initiate. And I thought, you know what, from this day forward, and you can ask my wife. I go, this, this, and I tell this to every couple. I go, this is like the, 
Easiest thing in the world. I was just stupid is as stupid does. You know, I go, I can't believe that I messed this up so many, so many times in my life. I go, my job as the husband, as the head of my household is to take the initiative, is to be the initiator with my wife, with my kids, with everything in life. And when you take the initiative, then there's no more hard feelings. There's no misunderstanding. I know that it's my job. I go, I don't necessarily have to like it, but man, I'll tell you what, it's made life a lot better knowing that that's what God's called me to do as a husband, as a father, doesn't make any difference what it is in life that I, if you, and again, if you think in life, you go, well, because I was waiting for, how many of you, you know, you don't have to raise your hand because we've all done it. You go, we've had a falling out with somebody. Well, I thought you were going to do this and you said you, you know, and I would have assumed that you would have done that because if I'd have been you, da, 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 and you go, but what if you'd have just taken the initiative? What if you'd have just taken the initiative? And maybe that was the initiative in saying, hey, can you forgive me? Initiative saying, hey, I'm sorry. The initiative saying, hey, can I serve you? Is there initiative, can I do something? Well, they didn't have, you know, because, hey, James says they don't have because they didn't ask. They didn't say anything. So that's on them. Take the initiative. You go, well, it's true. You want some help? Ask for it. Nobody helped me. Couldn't find anybody to help me. And God's going, you didn't ask anybody. Well, they did have known. I mean, you know, it's hard carrying a sofa by yourself. You know? Well, they were enjoying the stupidity of the moment. You know, yeah. Now, we're going to have a, a conference, a, a one-day conference for parents. Uh, I'm working with Vanessa. We'll have to figure out the, the timeline on this. On, it's called the four stages of parenting. I'm not going to go into it today, but I'll tell you, it'll be well worth your investment. Uh, it's probably no cost to you. It'll be a Saturday, probably a half-day you know, workshop for parents just to encourage you in your journey. But understanding and how to minister to your kids during those very, very specific stages of life. Proverbs 15, 20 says, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. You know, as parents, you know, making the most, you know, of our influence in the lives of our children, you know, investing in their life. You can just never, ever, ever go wrong. And kids, you can never go wrong by listening and taking to heart the things that your parents would instruct you in. You know, and again, as unto the Lord, you know, as, as long as our parents are instructing us in the things of God, you know, we're called to be obedient to those things, to honor them in that. And if, if it's not of God, you know, we have the right and the ability to stand up and go, hey, you know what, I have to choose between serving God and serving man. And unfortunately, you know, that has cost, you know, people relationships, young and old alike in that. You know, the, the first, like I said, relationship, you know, was with you, you know, as a parent, you know, again, Children will spell love. Again, how are they going to spell it? T-I-M-E. If you think of a word as influence, do not give up your influence in the life of your children. The second thing, you know, you think about this area is in a relationship, you know, with God. We think about the relationships. You know, there's three relationships, you know, the one that we have with our children, the relationship that they have with God, and the relationship that they have with other people. When you think about their relationship with God, you know, what is the purpose, you know, again, of life? Jesus said it in John 17, 3. He said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, when you think about relationships, it's nothing more than that. We were created by God and for God. We were created to know God. The, the best thing that you can do as a parent is to influence your children in their relationship with God. Bringing your kids to church, 
not taking your kids to church. We do have people that take their kids to church. They drop them off and, and we're their babysitting. We love it. We, we don't turn people away. They go, hey, we just drop our kids off. That's awesome. It's going to be sad for you one day, but it's going to be great for your kids. Because kids sit around and talk, and they're going to go, yeah, my dad and my mom, they didn't have time. You know what, they, they could have come to church with me. You know, guess what they did? Oh, they, they went to the gym during that time, or they went, you know, grocery shopping. Or they did. I'm not saying that those things inherently of themselves are bad. I'm talking about the best use of our time. I don't think anybody's going to go on their deathbed and go, God, I wish I would have went to the gym more. Man, I wish I went to Costco one more time, you know. You know, that was time management, man. You're going to go, no, I missed that time. I'll tell you what, when you watch your kids laughing and running in a circle out there, chasing Lonnie and Carol around, and, uh, you know. And I am very happy, by the way, that the ring of fire, you know, is, is taking the place of the Juana uh, Square. And, uh, and we are going to figure out a way to play Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire, at least the theme to that as you guys are taking the, you know, the circle every week. I, I was so excited about that. You have to be involved with Ignite to, to understand that. But, uh, you know, Proverbs 3, 3, 5 says this, says, trust in the Lord. We think about our relationship with our children, you know, towards God. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, of all the things, you know, moms and dads that you could do is talk to your kids about learning how to trust God with their heart. Learning how to trust God. Well, not with just part of their heart. See, that's the thing about dropping kids off and versus being there. Your kids understand if you love God with all your heart. They, they can see that. They, they can see half-hearted worship. We can go, oh, I love God. I'm a Christian. I'm so committed to him. They, they see half-heartedness because either Jesus is, you know, all of your life, you know, you know, it's like he's either Lord of all or what? He's not Lord at all. There, there's no middle, middle ground in that in the truest sense. But see, we're talking to our kids constantly about learning to trust God as they're making decisions. You go, hey, have you prayed about that? That's not just a, you know, cliche. Hey, have you, have you been praying about that, you know, as a parent? Did you really think that through? Did you talk to God about that? Is that going to bring glory to God? Hey, let me ask you this, you know, have you surrendered your heart, your will to him? Talking to your kids about that, surrendering your heart to God. You don't just do that when you get saved. You do that every single day. And Jesus taught us this, right? We pray our father who art in heaven, you know, not thy will, but, you know, my, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Yeah. And that shouldn't be, what's so sad about that? It's like, that's a, it's a struggle. That shouldn't be a struggle. No, it's a declaration on my part. Not my will. God, I don't want my will. I want thy will to be done. And so we're telling our kids, honey, the best thing you can do is God's will. Do you know what God's will is? Well, let's pray about that. Let's look at his word. What What does his word say? Surrendering every part of our lives. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge who? Who's it saying to acknowledge? Jesus. Yeah, acknowledge Jesus. And what will Jesus do in the life of your children? He says, he will, what? Direct your path. You know, one of the things that frustrates me about prayer, watching, you know, even my grandkids pray, I mean, and it, and it gets under my skin. I'm just confessing this. I hate rote prayers. I, I hate when there's this, you know, Lord, thank you, you know, and where there's no thought to it because all they did was memorize something that their parents taught them to say. That's not prayer. Prayer is communication. Prayer is talking to God. What I want for my 
kids and for my grandkids is to have a real vibrant relationship with the true and the living God. I want them to be in tune with what's going on that day in that moment. You know, when they're thanking God for that food, you go, Lord, thank you. You know, today, man, man, mom went all out today. Woo. Lucky charms. <laughs> uh, no, you go, man, Lord, thank you. You know, I, and thank you for the people who prepared this. Thank you for the, God, the people that made, I mean, where did this come from? You know, vegetables. Didn't come from our town, you know. Where did it come from? You know, and you're having conversation about it. You know, and what's going on in the news that day? And Lord, you know, all the things that are happening in our country, people are so divided. Lord, thank you that we can be united around this table. Thank you for moments like this where we can stop from our busyness and, and we can do something together. But again, they pick that up. If it's just rote and it's just, it's not real, it's just, you know, but you go, but that's the Christian thing to do. You go, it's just religion. And it, and it won't carry them through the, the hard seasons of life. No, it, in all your ways, acknowledge him. It says, and he will direct your path. I mean, help your kids. Help your kids feel accountable to God. You know, I love it. You know, anybody have a grandma that said, you know, Jesus is watching you. You know, you go, you're going out. You, or your mom, you know, hey, I just want you to know. Where are you going tonight? Uh, I know where you're going. You know what? Jesus knows what you're going to be doing too. I just want you to know that. Think about that tonight. You just ruined my fun, mom. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. You know, you go, yeah, just think about that. Everywhere you turn, you know, do, you know, mom doesn't have eyes in the back of her head. Sometimes it seems that way, but she doesn't. But Jesus does. He can see everything and he's watching you. Well, that comes across as what? Jesus is going to destroy your fun. You know, no, it's what, really what you want is you're going, you know, yeah, be accountable to God. Hey, honey, make wise choices. I mean, we watched this, right? We've watched enough confirmation hearings the last couple of years. Do you know something that you did back in the fourth grade could keep you from getting a position, you know, in government today? This is fascinating. You could wear the wrong costume, you know, as a little kid, you know, and you go, it was dumb. It was stupid. I was a kid. And you go, that's all right. You're going to pay for it now. And you go, wow. Well, just think about that. If we were thinking about being accountable to God, see, because the truth of God is what? It's good for all people, all places, all times. It doesn't change. That's what I love about biblical counsel. When we come to God, you go, what are we doing? We're coming today and it's not going to be different. If you come back five years from now, we should be telling you the same thing. If you come back 20 years from now, it should be the same thing. That's the beauty of godly counsel. And you can instruct your children from the earliest time in their life. Deuteronomy 6.20 puts it like this. It says, when your son asks you in time coming, saying this is when they crossed over into the, the promised land, he says, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, then you shall say to your son, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed us signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all of his household. Then he brought us up from there that he might bring us in. That was bringing us into the land to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord, our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. So what were, what were they telling him? Kids, we are accountable to God. That's what you teach your kids. You are accountable to God. 
I'll tell you what, when you start to understand that you are accountable to God, the fear of God will grip your heart. If all you're teaching is, that, ah, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, God will, hey, he'll forgive you. He'll do. Oh, he does forgive us. But the consequences can be, you know, long-lasting. And we need to think about that. So accountable, I'm not saying, you know, God's, he's watching you. No, what I'm saying is, you know, God loves you. Honey, God, know this, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Make sure that what you're doing is seeking to glorify him. And if that's what you're doing, you go, then God bless you. And if not, you go, you might want to think twice about it. And I'll tell you what, it makes a difference in their life. It's like a coach going into the game, you know, don't fumble, don't fumble. What usually does the guy do? Fumbles. The other coach goes, hold on to that ball, hold on to that ball. Same desire, one's negative, one's positive. You know, keep it on the up and up. And then lastly, the thing I'll let you go with here today is think about, you know, it's all about relationships, but, you know, you think about, there's a lot of things, like I said, we can't influence the life of our children, the choices they make, but I can influence their relationship with me. I can influence their relationship with God, and I can influence their relationship with other people when they're living under your roof. Lee and I used to sit with all of our kids as they got to that age. We'd go, hey, when you think you fall in love, bring them home. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. They're, no, no, we want to meet them. Oh, I bet you do want to meet them. You know, no, no, we really want to meet them. You go, you know why? And we tell me, go, hey, you know, how old are you? And they go, oh, you know, I'm 16. I go, all right. You go, was I ever 16? And they go, yeah, okay. And, you know, I'm 40-something, you know, when I'm telling them this. And I go, have you ever been my age? And they're going, no. And I go, well, believe it or not, I go, you are nothing more than me and her. That's all you are. I don't want to get into all the science behind it, but that's all, all that you are. So your feelings and your thoughts, your tastes, your likes, and I can prove it. You know, how many of you ever said, I don't want to be like my parents? And the next thing you know, you're saying the same thing. Your parents are ah, you know, and you go, it just happens. You know, so we tell them, hey, just bring them home. We go, because we can tell what you'd like when you're 16 and when you're 40. Believe it or not, as dumb as we are, you know, as you get older, we're going to get smarter. That's all I'm going to tell you. The older you get, the smarter we get as parents. So they, you know, they do that. They go, hey, and I can tell you. So they'd come home and leave right away. <laughs> they go, mom, trust me, honey, trust me. <laughs> I, I know what I want. I know what you want, but I know what's best for you. Let it go. Let it go. Trust your mom, you know. And it's worked. It's worked. Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Parents say that already. Who are you hanging around? Remember, bad company corrupts good morals. Every good Christian child has heard that. But you think about it. What are you doing to influence your kids? I know many of you, you know, that have served with us, you know, and I can think of, you know, it's John and Gigi and Tink and Cheryl, you know, uh, We've had so many youth functions, you know, at our house, because you go, why? And you go, think about this, you know, because we want to influence the, the kids who might influence our kids. So you go, I want to make my, my house, what, the most fun place on the block. I want, my wife would go, I want our house to be the, the house that kids want to come to. And I go, well, then just buy a kegger. I mean, because that's the, in high school, that's, that's, what, that's what's going to get in there. And they're, oh, we don't drink. So you go, okay, we don't do that. Root beer, you know. 
squeak when he was a youth pastor. That's what he did. He said, all right, we'll, just, we'll get a kegger. They, they want a kegger? We'll give them a kegger. It'll just have root beer in it. And then David Madison carried it over. The, now they, we, you know, we still have it here. You just have to figure out, you know, they go, oh, that was, it was good. And they like to have fun. You know, you just make it where they can have fun. And, and where they're, they're loved and they're cared for, where there's an interest taken in. So you're, you start looking, you know, as you're around them, they, you engage with them and get to know their friends. You have that opportunity to influence, again, those people that are in their life. And so, you know, just in, in closing, I'll put it to you the way that one pastor put it to me. He says, what are you doing to enhance your children's relationship with you? So ask yourself that today. What are you doing to enhance your children's relationship with you? And this kind of rhymes so you can think about this. And then what are you doing to enhance your children's relationship with God? And then the third one you think about, and what are you doing to influence your child's romance with other people? Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. Because I'll tell you what, the biggest decision that your child will ever make in this life is what? To receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. The second biggest decision is going to be who will they marry? So think about that as we close. Think about that. What am I doing to enhance my children's relationship with myself? What am I doing to advance their relationship with God? And what am I doing to influence my child's romance with others? Enhance, advance, romance. It all comes down to influence, being intentional. And as you commit, to those things in your child's life. I'll tell you what, life will be different. It can be better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Lord, thank you for one service Sundays where we can be together here as a family and Lord, open up your word and, and look to it and receive from it. And Lord, understand we, we, we're all fighting the same battle. We all fight the same fight. As Paul would say, and fight the good fight of faith. Lord, we don't, we don't want to live like the world. We don't want to make it all about enriching our experiences. And there's nothing wrong with experiences, God. We, we love experiences. But Lord, not at the cost of relationships, Lord. Lord, and forgive us for putting things uh, over the most important things. Sometimes we can put good over best. And Lord, we pray for our families today. I pray for all the moms and the dads that are here, Lord, in this service today. I pray that, God, you would just anoint their homes. Lord, we confess it. We live in dark times and hard times to be parents today. We're up against so many worldly, carnal things. Uh, our families are under attack. Our children are under attack. And so we pray for them. Lord, we pray that our homes would be a haven, God, where, Lord, again, as Joshua would say, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord, that we wouldn't be ashamed of that. We wouldn't back down from that. But, Lord, we would magnify that, that people could, as you're, we've been studying the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good, that he's alive in this place, that he's real in our home, he's real in our lives. And we pray for our children, Lord. We pray first and foremost that they would grow up to know you, and that, Lord, they would know you because, God, they see your love in our home. 
if it's in a, a, a two-parent family where they see the love of God between a husband and wife and the way that they love and treat one another, that would make it so easy for their kids to, to receive Jesus because it just makes so much sense. But Lord, even in a single-parent home, God, you're still, you're still there. You're still magnifying, showing yourself strong. You said in such a, a marvelous, gracious way that, Lord, in a way that we don't even comprehend, you said that you'd become the husband to the husbandless and the father to the fatherless. Lord, there's, there's nothing that can outdo your grace. And so, Lord, Lord, we pray for our homes, that they would be a safe place. We pray for our children, that, God, they would see you, and that, Lord, and that the earliest possible ages they would come to know you. And that, Lord, for all their relationships, both in and outside the home, that, God, they'd be relationships that glorify you, that stem from your word, not from culture, not from what someone says will make me happy, but, Lord, what will glorify you? Because what ultimately glorifies you is what's good for us. And so, Lord, we thank you for the gift of family. We thank you for our church family, Lord. Thank you for the many friends that we have here that we can enjoy, Lord, meeting with and praying with, Lord, being vulnerable to and with, sharing our hearts, sharing our lives, Lord, the ups, the downs, Lord, the good times, the hard times, everything in between, and knowing that, God, uh, in all that, it just becomes a reflection of the love that we have for you and the love that you have for us, that we are the family of God. I thank you for the gift of the church today. I pray that you'd bless it. I, I pray that today was a blessing for those that were here. Lord, I pray that they'd go home encouraged about, Lord, what you desire to do in and through them. And Lord, our goal today in leaving this place, Lord, is simply to love you more, to appreciate you more, to be so much more thankful, Lord, for how many things that you have done for us, how gracious you are for saving us. And Lord, if there's any here today that have yet to receive you as Savior and Lord, that they wouldn't leave this place without, Lord, bowing their heart, bowing their knee before you and saying, Lord Jesus, I need you, not just in my family and in my life of my parenting or my marriage, but God, I need you in my life. I need you. Forgive me, Lord, for my sins and wash me and cleanse me and help them to know that, Lord, they'd make that their prayer. God, you would. You hear that prayer and you honor that prayer. They truly could become born again today. Don't let them miss it. And for those that, Lord, if they're being baptized today, Lord, let this be a very special day for them. And Lord, if there's any amongst us that have yet to be baptized and know that they need to be, don't let them leave today. Let them just jump in and, Lord, go, I've decided, Lord, I want to live my life fully surrendered to you. And so, Lord, we give you our hearts. We love singing this last song, Lord. Just let it be worship from our hearts today as we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we all agreed saying amen. Amen. All invite